The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Scott Wapner in tonight for Melissa Lee. Our traders on the desk are Carter Worth, Tim Seymour, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. We kick things off with a tariff takedown. That's what it was. Stocks tumbling today, late today, as President Trump turns up the heat on the trade war with China. The Dow giving up a 311-point gain to finish the day deep in the red. We have full team coverage of today's dramatic turn of events. Let's begin with the latest out of the White House. That's where Eamon Javers is live for us in Washington once again. Eamon? Yeah, Scott, the president just talked to reporters on the South Lawn. He was asked if he was concerned about that stock market tumble that you're just talking about in the wake of his tweet about the China tariffs. The president said he wasn't worried about it. He, in fact, expected it. And he said it's because people don't fully understand what his tariff strategy is. In fact, the president here blaming the market for not understanding exactly what his approach is to tariffs and to China. He was also asked by me uh, exactly why he picks 10% as opposed to 25% or 5% uh, on the tariffs. Here's what he had to say. I did more than anybody thought with the first $250 billion, and the 10% is for a short-term period, and then I can always do much more or I can do less depending on what happens with respect to a deal. But I'm very happy the way it is right now. So the president there saying that he could go up to above 25% if he felt that was necessary, but he said he doesn't see that as being necessary at this point. So that puts a lot of tension now on those negotiations between the U.S. side and the Chinese side here in Washington in early September. The president was also asked an interesting question if he's considering a blockade of Venezuela. He said yes, but it was just a one-word answer. He didn't offer us any real uh, detail on when that would begin, how it would work, why it's being put in now. But the president did respond in the affirmative when he was asked if he was considering a blockade of Venezuela, guys. So that's something else to chew over here in terms of the geopolitics around all this. All right. Eamon, thank you. That's Eamon Jabbers, live North Lawn of the White House for us once again. All right. Let's trade it. All right, Guy. Yes, sir. You welcome, guys are the, the ones. Welcome, welcome. Yeah. You guys are the ones who get paid to figure all this out. So we got a tale of two days. Guy. You got a tale of two days. Everything seems <laughs> copacetic, as when? they say. When? Oh, earlier then, this morning. I, I thought you, you meant yesterday and today. You mean today there were the tale of two days. Thank you for my clarification. And then you have this tweet uh, late in the afternoon that caused an instant reversal. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, I thought the market should have been down today anyway, but it's a, that's a horse of a different color. I think the president, this is my opinion. I think the president, we talked about this, is trying to force Jerome Powell's hand. I mean, the Fed chair yesterday said, you know what, one of the biggest risks to the market is more tariffs. What does the president do on the back of that? Levies more tariffs. Steve Leisman pointed that out in a tweet today. So, again, he wasn't happy with a 25-point cut, wants another one. Maybe he'll get it, maybe he won't. 
I happen to think the market's starting to call a little BS on this, and that's why I think there's further downsides. Yeah, Grasso, how do you I, see I, it? I think it's kind of... Who is he putting more pressure on? Is he putting more pressure on Powell, or is he putting yeah. more pressure Don't on you think? or China? He's putting pressure on both of them, and you get you get this uh, dark period where you're not going to hear from the Fed. Earnings are almost done. So what do you have to look forward to? What do you have to be afraid of? So I think it was kind of genius on his part to do this, and then he backed off it immediately, which I wish, wish he did not back off it immediately, saying this is this is only a temporary thing. Then why do it? You know, you, you take the bite out of it 10 minutes after he did it, I thought was the only thing that he did wrong in the process. And so the what thing about the earnings is this, that we've, this has been with us for a while. If you look at the earnings quarter to date, companies that do more than half their business outside the U.S. down almost 14% versus companies that do more than half inside the U.S. actually up. So this problem that's been with us is now just being accentuated. This is just fuel on the fire. Now yeah, you have to rethink every way that you, you feel like you're going to play this market? Well, it's, it's, it's funny you say that, Scott, because it's first of all, I agree with Guy. It's like, see, I'm going to get my extra 25 bets Oh, right I'm going to get I'm it one way or I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. Um, and then, oh boy, I guess trade does matter. Um, because in fact, when you combine trade with a Fed that really, you know, we, we, we graded the Fed yesterday but either way, we all agreed they had a tough job ahead of them in terms of what went on yesterday. Uh, so, so ultimately, look at what responded. So let's get to the market. What oh, actually man, responded? What didn't so, respond? Well, wow. and, and, you know, so for people that just straight off of Apple, let's go to the name that we've, we've all been talking about for the last couple of days. Uh, I guess Apple might be a trade war stock. After all, I thought it had decoupled, and I, I'm being a little facetious, but I do think you have a case here. You know, look at wind. Look at emerging markets. Look and, at cat. Look yeah. at retail. Right. Oh, my God, some of these retail stocks got obliterated after this tweet. I mean, it was stunning. Well, and, and I'll just simply say that uh, I think the same playbook is probably at work here. Look what was very defensive. Starbucks, McDonald's, uh, mega cap tech. When In a lower growth environment where you have a valuation argument, look at Google, look at Amazon, um, look at Microsoft today. Those were names that were stalwarts. But, you, but when, when Guy opened up saying that you thought the market should have been down, people underestimated stopping QT now what that does for the overall market. That's why the market was up, in my opinion. Yeah, do you think the market... The overreacted, QT, QT overreacted is, yesterday with trying to figure out exactly what power Trying to was figure saying. out where it was. And you have to remember, QT is, in effect, uh, raising rates every meeting. So if you don't have it, you don't have them cutting, but it's almost cutting by proxy. So you have them cut the 25 basis points. Then you have the QT being removed. That's almost the 25 from December, and now you get another 25. So you sort of did I mean, get the your The net of it is that nothing, this is all just more of the same narrative. Just think what yeah. you said. It's yeah. idiosyncratic growth. Right. Continue. It's all so we as have. money hides in fewer and fewer names, as banks have been underperforming for three years, industrials, it's all the same story. It's just getting more pronounced. And that's never a good sign. I literally, you know, I'm, I'm wondering... Do you need to rethink the way you now play the market if you think you're going to get these tariffs in a month? Well, it changes almost everything now. Yes and no, because I think or at least I had thought we were going to get those tariffs or something like those tariffs in a month four months ago, five months ago. And and I think it comes down to uh, it's still about the Fed right now. I think we're still digesting a mid-cycle adjustment. And I think that's a more important dynamic for the market because I think the trade uh, at some point, we don't even know how you win the trade war. We don't know what the terms are of the trade war. This is what I thought, though. Why wouldn't you raise the tariffs in uh, October 1st? So you get you force the hand from Powell for September meeting versus September 1st. If he doesn't do it, he doesn't have to to cut. 
right? I mean, what? why not wait? Give yourself an extra 30 days. If he's delaying it now anyway, just push it off to October 1st. The, the thing that's concerning for me is, is the way the markets responded. Look at dollar-yen, which is ultimately a proxy for, for risk. Uh, so you had uh, one and a half handles on yen stronger, which means watch 107. We break that. I think it gets very dangerous. 189 on the 10-year. This is the low. This is a level low on the 10-year bond since before the elections. So we went to bed the night of the elections, and we actually had a 10-year around these levels. We woke up the next day, and two days later, we were moving higher. We've almost cut 10-year yields in half since November, and that, to me, is ultimately the barometer of what the market really thinks about growth. And, and what do you, what do you make of the move in oil today? That in and of itself huh. would be the lead of this show, the fact that WTI and Brent were down by such a large amount yep. That's stunning and in and commodities of in general. I mean, you're getting the message in a comprehensive way that there's something very wrong. What I was going to say was quickly. Well, not I know to mention we got, dollar going up is well, that, not great for commodities. What I, well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, don't discount for a fact that the president's not, with this tariff talk, is trying to somehow ratchet back the U.S. dollar that he's clearly concerned about. And one of my big concerns will be, will they, being the administration, pull the trigger and somehow intervene in the U.S. dollar, which to me would be madness at the highest level, and quickly without getting really down a rabbit hole. The Chinese yuan is at levels where we it's probably lack right on the edge. Yep. And the last time we saw it around these levels was August of 2015-ish. And then go back and see what happened in the ensuing yeah, remember months. The, remember the February. summer of 15? Of course, that's why that's I brought it up. Ugly. But, but it only speaks to the mismessaging of Powell where you have the dollar on a, on a cut. You have the dollar rally. So the market didn't know what to make of Powell's cut. It was a hawkish 25 basis points. And that, to me... But isn't that what the Fed that, wanted? Me, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if that's I know that what was yesterday's wanted. event. But, but if you think about it, the only reason the dollar is rallying is because the, the, it's the appearance or it's the view that central bank differentials are much wider than people thought five minutes before that meeting, which is that, that actually the Fed is not going to be as easy as the BOJ and the ECB. And by the way, we hope they are not, because that is not policy that's worked. All right, let's bring in John Stoltzfus now. He is the chief investment strategist at Oppenheimer. He's here on the set with us. Scott, okay. Good to see you. You tell us what you make of all Game this. Game on, John. <laughs> I can't help but say they're related to the dollar. I think the dollar's also got the effect that it's become a safe haven currency. And that's a real problem. It's not only the differential in terms of the yield, but it's safe haven assets uh, that are determined by the dollar and an environment where you have negative yields, uh, what, what, 13, 14 trillion dollars worth of, of, uh, of negative yields around the world. We're still positive. Everything is relative. Uh, and it's an environment where it, there's just very little peace right now, but we may be leading up to a crescendo of things that lead to some kind of an agreement in the trade war. I don't think anybody expects uh, that we're going to go to a perfect world with a trade agreement, but at least it'll point us in the right direction and hopefully begin, begin to reinstate the process of globalization with China as a, as a player. It'll feel less threatened because right now it's losing by the day it is it, you have firms that uh, companies are, are 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 diversifying their supply chain away from China, and that's only going to compound the longer this continues. It's easier said yeah. than done, too. So oh. if I'd asked you this morning, post Powell, how you play this market, you would have been positive buy stocks. I would have been positive and say buy stocks. Okay, so now it's you know five yeah. o'clock, just passed in the east. You got another tweet and tar- tariffs. Now you say what? Uh, before the close, we were looking for we were looking for stocks that had come off that we we had seen just a, just a few days ago looked a little bit expensive. We're beginning to shop to to, to buy. We still like consumer discretionary technology, industrials, and financials. Go figure, because we don't think this is this goes forward 
forever. You don't think it happens? Oh, I, I, think there, I, I think what we do have here, I don't think he's going to actually do it. I think we get some kind of a, a truce ahead of, uh, ahead of uh, to, to provide uh, opportunity to come to an agreement. He's saying, this is what I'm prepared to do. The irony and the sadness of all of this is probably the only thing that would get China's attention was a trade war with tariffs oh. because traditional negotiation was not going John, to work. So industrials and financials, chicken. I mean, those, I mean, is it valuation that makes you want to buy those? Because basically they're not working, yeah. they haven't worked. Is it well, just maybe that's so bad it's good? Yeah, or they, what is it? They, they've actually worked this year, although they underperformed the, the S&P 500, but at one point they were up, financials were up about 14%. Related to industrials, we think they're the new technology. When all this starts coming back, You've got in, in industrial products today are riddled with technology, whether it's all kinds of sensors GM. or I things. I mean, it's a case in point. This is, this, this, this is the cyclical and the secular trends that are the offset to a lot of the negativity what, that we have. What if I told you that Powell, he made his cut in rates yesterday, mm-hmm. and that's it, and he's done? Would your outlook in the market change? I, I think it, it, it would depend how, we, how things develop from here. Today's too fresh. It's like yesterday. People were saying to me, what do you think on the back of what just happened? I said, well, it, it seems to make sense. People were waiting for an opportunity to be able to take profits without FOMO. They got it today by the confusion with the Fed chair. And today they had more, more time because the markets are up. If, if you look at a screen that shows you the world markets, markets are green around the world, uh, whether it's, it, it's Latin America with the exception of Mexico. Well, Europe, you've got the DAX is higher 15%. on the year. But measuring UK, just a year-to-date you know, number is an arbitrary thing. But basically, most forces uh, are below where they were 18 December. months ago. Uh, that, that is one <laughs> thing. Mean, but right? the good thing is they're, they're, they're a lot higher than they were on December 24th. I know, but that's quarter. an arbitrary thing, uh, right? December well, 12th, December 12th. Well, that's what Global equity is the last. Let's make this the last. Wall Street is gauged on, unfortunately. We get all that. And you get paid annually in your mortgage. Yeah, that's the But the reality is that global equities are not working. Oh, they peaked 18 months ago. Or maybe they were in the process of working, and we were getting, we, we were in the middle of a great big uh, ramp up higher, uh, the next leg to come, and we've just been interrupted. It's, it's like stocks interrupt us, right? Uh, who was the problem. biggest interrupter? Was it Powell with what he said yesterday, uh, or Trump today, what he said late in the tweeter, quite frankly. John, it's good to see you. That's John Stoltzfus joining us. We're just getting started here on Fast Money. Up next, commodities crush oil, handing in its worst day in more than four years. Drilling down on the crude collapse, plus Pinterest and Square both on the move after reporting their results. Those conference calls just getting underway. We'll break down the big headlines from both those. We're live from Times Square in New York City tonight. Much more Fast Money is right after this. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. We're back with Fast Money. Crude absolutely collapsing today. Oil falling nearly 7% for its worst day in more than four years. Wasn't just oil, though. Banks also getting hit pretty hard in today's sell-off. Our chart master, Carter Worth, is over at the plasma to break it all down for us. Carter? That's right. Uh, Banks, uh, all commodities in general, uh, softs, uh, iron, steel, and and anything that sort of goes clunk in the night. Cyclicality, not good. Let's talk about banks. You know, um, 
I had a teacher mentor. He said, if you can draw a straight line, you'll probably be okay in this business. Just how, I thought he was insulting me, but actually he was being very, very candid. That's a very straight line, isn't it? And guess what? I'll be darned. It kind of just rallies there and fails. Now, consensus, of course, was that this was going to be a head and shoulders bottom on Wall Street. But it's nothing of the kind. It's some sort of weird, bizarre, um, not a head and shoulders bottom. It's something that has failed repeatedly, 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 and it is failing again. Now, more importantly than absolute return, of course, is relative, opportunity cost. Here is the real tragedy. If I put the line from the low, and one could say that banks, while they're up, that's true, of course, their relative performance is straight down. And also, it has failed to the penny, to the penny, to the penny at this relative downtrend line. And it hit that line literally today and sunk again. Not a great setup. In fact, if you pull this back even further, now I want to single out what's really what's happened since the 2016 presidential election. That's what happens right here. That's your Trump bump. And so look at the next slide. And what we know is this, that basically all of the alpha, right? So this is the index itself. This is relative performance to the market on the bottom. We have undone the entire election. We are trading below where we were three plus years ago. And that's not adjusting for beta or cyclicality and risk. So not good, not good today. And I don't know what the narrative is that makes it good going forward. Yeah, come on over. We'll finish the conversation uh, on the desk. Let's trade the banks. Well, if you think about bank earnings this quarter, uh, expectations were relatively light. There were some boosts. There was a boost from mortgages. Uh, the yield curve actually was steepening into bank earnings, and that was something that was very beneficial to the banks. It's part of that little blip up that Carter says, which he thinks is now failing at resistance. Uh, I, I just say this. Look, right now with the 189 10-year and the jury's still out in terms of where growth is, the curve's going to continue to flatten. Right now, the, the bond market is pushing on the Fed to do the, their next move. In the short run, though, um, I actually still like banks. They haven't been a disaster. Yes, they've been sideways for 12 to 18 months, but but you're close, if not at record earnings across the group. You're paying their, their capital allocation, as seen by J.P. Morgan, almost failing intentionally, the capital, essentially the C-car, because they want to give more capital back to investors. For investors, banks are being run differently. I think they're being run for equity investors. And, and J.P. Morgan used to be everyone's favorite bank. They're up 15% year-to-date. I know you don't think it matters, but I think Citigroup has been the outperformer. They're up 31%. Goldman. Goldman Sachs up Goldman 20, was the best, one of the best performers in the I mean, Dow in, the, in the July. The bull case, clients say, it, is that, look, the balance sheets are better than they've ever been, right? The, the dividends are on the rise, and that their credit but, quality is good. But guess what? When the cycle <laughs> changes, what happens? I, they start I agree. Doing the, the, right biggest, the, the biggest provisions. bullish thing was, yeah, deregulation and you had the tax cuts. Those, those are the two most bullish things that could have ever happened to the XLF or to these big banks, but if you still have to hide them or you want to be have some exposure, I think you stay with the Goldman. Or well, if, you saw, if you thought there was going to be a rate cut cycle, you could get a steepening of the yield curve, right. and that would Which be you good got. for the bank. Well, so I'm saying, no, I'm saying, now, I, I, now if you're not going to get the cycle. No, I agree with you. I guess right? what I'm saying is you got that going into to the, the Fed meeting and the testimony. Yes, because you thought fact, maybe you were going to get Because it. that's what people thought. And then and there is also that just it's only the U.S. banks. I mean, Japanese banks are making new five-year lows. European banks, the whole thing. Seven-year lows. Seven-year so. lows in Europe. So I'll just simply say, look at credit, by the way. What else was up today? High yield was up today. So until the credit market starts to, and that's, of course, that's what everybody said. I mean, Powell yesterday talked about the banks, talked about the strength of the financial system. He's right. Carter's saying it. 
yes. Doesn't guarantee necessarily that they're going to be strong tomorrow if we have essentially this this trip, sorry, this triple B uh, tranche of credit out there that looks like it's very vulnerable. All right. You can read more about today's sell-off on our website, CNBC.com. We have much more Fast Money straight ahead. Coming up, hip to be square, we have instant reaction to Square's big quarterly report. And later, rolling the dice on China, the casino stocks caught in the crosshairs of a trade war. So is now the time to cash in your chips? We're hitting the tables when Fast Money returns. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out Cloudera shares. There they are right there. CLDR getting a big bump, 15%, and SEC filing showing that Carl Icahn has now a more than 12% stake in that company. It comes as the stock has dropped nearly 50% in the last year. So Mr. Icahn apparently looking for a bargain, and Cloudera shares are reacting. Now to some other after-hours movers today. Pinterest and Square are both on the move after reporting their own results. We have full team coverage as those conference calls get underway. Julia Borson is standing by on Pinterest, but let's begin with Josh Lipton. And Square's big quarter, Josh. So, Scott, I checked in with uh, John Hecht over at Jefferies. He covers the name. Uh, he listed a few reasons why the stock's under pressure here. To him, some reasons would include the gross payment volume, growth decelerating, expenses higher, so the take rate margins uh, were lower. Q3 guidance, he notes, weaker than expected. Some big news, though, Scott, here, too. Uh, Square did announce that DoorDash has agreed to buy Caviar, its um, food ordering platform, for $410 million. That's a mix of cash and DoorDash preferred stock. Uh, remember Remember, Square paid $44 million for it back in 2014. Jack Tor- Dorsey talking about the decision right off the top of the call. Take a listen. To increase our focus, we decided to sell our caviar business to DoorDash. This enables us to focus on serving restaurant and food sellers through a platform approach, specifically our orders API and Square for restaurants. DoorDash was an obvious choice for us because of our pre-existing partnership through Orders API and Cash App. Both companies have an alignment of interest to strengthen our partnership. Uh, but John Hecht over Jeffrey Scott, knowing that just based on the revenue multiple of Square, maybe he says the market thought it was worth more than they're getting. Uh, company CFO noting, listen, ultimately this is going to allow us to improve focus, greater investment. It says they're maintaining their full-year guidance, 43% adjusted revenue growth. They'll update that guidance after the transaction closes. Scott, back to you. All right, Josh. Appreciate it. That's Josh Lipton for us 
on the West Coast. You want to trade square? It's it's gotten complicated. I mean, they it's gotten it's gotten crowded, I should say. And and ultimately, look, the the third quarter guide was not what people wanted, but they maintained full year. Um, their subscription services could be a two hundred fifty million dollar near term balance sheet improvement. You have uh, I think dynamics with with really just payments overall, where a lot of this stuff was priced extraordinarily. There's there's nothing about this multiple on a difficult day on a on a not a you know not a great report for third quarter. That means you need to chase the stock tomorrow. I, I was long the stock very early. I sold it right around these levels. I have not revisited the name. Uh, the average price target on the street is about 82 and a half. I think after today's print, they'll probably ratchet those in. I think you still have time to buy this at a discount. I am not stepping back in yet. The quarter was fine. I mean, if you look, actually, margins were even fine. They beat EPS. They beat revenue. Margins were fine. It's the guide, as Tim just said. The guide, the third quarter guide, scared a lot of people. They reiterated full year. Third quarter, they said it's going to be slow. That's concerning at this valuation, which is why it's down five or so percent. It's got to get through that 81 level, which is where it's been trading now for the last seemingly three months. I think you got to buy it on a breakout or look for it to trade back down to But if I may, exactly you, right. like, you like that I, chart, I like right? it a lot. So this is one of the best performing stocks over the past three years, basically a 10 bagger. It was 10 bucks, hit 100, peaked with the global equity market in January of 18, and it's been treading water ever since. This little setback here looks to be minor. I think you buy it here and take advantage Can of it. we just say Dorsey, Square, Twitter, that stock's been crushing it lately, too. Right? Look, this Dorsey's MVP right now. Forget I mean, these conversations that we used to have. Sides. Can he really run both? Remember yep. those? Yep. Not that long ago. All right, let's ter- turn our attention to Pinterest, also on the move after reporting results, and that conference call underway as well. Julia Borston has those highlights for us. Julia? Well, Pinterest shares soaring on better-than-expected results pretty much across the board. CEO Ben Silverman saying on the call just now that the company's improvements to the platform, including making it easier to buy things, are benefiting both users and advertisers. As retailers get organic value, they're more and more amenable to paying to increase that value through our shopping ads products. And so we continue to uh, kind of release features to enable that, things that let them measure the conversions in a really clear way, things that let them get analytics on which of their products are performing well. All that said, think of it as a long-term investment. We don't think that shopping is going to be an independent revenue stream that will show up for a while. It's worth noting here that Pinterest does not take a cut of sales, but the easier it is to buy things on Pinterest, the more incentive there is for advertisers to spend. Now, James Cordwell of Atlantic Equities saying Pinterest has delivered exactly what investors were looking for. U.S. user growth has reaccelerated, showing that there is still plenty of growth potential in Pinterest's most developed market. Meanwhile, the tripling of international revenue underscores the huge opportunity for the company in monetizing its significant overseas user base. Now, Tom Forte from DA Davidson saying, we believe increasing global regulatory scrutiny on Facebook and Google gives Pinterest an opportunity to take market share and potentially chip away at the digital marketing duopoly that Facebook and Google represent. Now, as for the company's stronger than expected outlook, Pinterest saying it's drawing a broader assortment of advertisers as well as getting their existing advertisers to spend more. And the combination of those two things is paying off. You see shares trading up 12%. After hours. Scott, over to you. Julia, thank you. Big gainer there, guy. I like it. I mean, you know, it's funny. I'll say Square's evaluation thing. So, how do you like Pinterest? Well, because you have growth here. Monthly average users up 30% year over year. International up 38% year over year. ARPU, Timmy, please tell me ARPU. The average revenue per thank user, you. folks at home, just in case you didn't up know that. Up 29% year over year. International ARPU up 123% year Tim, over year. That would which be is international average growth. revenue per year. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> Sorry. So, what's thank the point? You. you still have growth here. 
probably going to be a billion users within the next couple of years. I think you can own this and, stock. And they ran, last quarter, they kind of ran out of gas on MAUs. And this quarter, they needed really Jim. to pull this one out. Monthly average users, everybody. And by the way, if we're doing it internationally, <laughs> that would be international MAUs. Good job. Jim. So they needed to pull one out. Seems like they pulled one out. I don't know if they're out of the woods yet. But <laughs> if, you, if you go QOQ. Quarter, 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 sorry, quarter, sorry, yeah, quarter, sure. quarter, quarter. Give them one there. I, I, I think you're okay to invest in it now, but you got to watch those. those and internationally, of course, that would be international quarter, over quarter. <laughs> Excellent stuff. It's good. I mean, like, technically, we know this thing came out of the gate strong and stumbled badly. After its first 15 days of trading, it plunged almost 45 percent, and it's basically been working back ever since. I like it. All right, that is Pinterest for you. Up next, more on the tariff takedown. Stocks making a complete 180 during today's session. The Dow traveling nearly 600 points as President Trump turns up the heat on the trade war with China. Two sectors getting hit hard in that sell-off. We'll find out what's next for the chips and retail. Stick with us, Fast Money. We'll be right back. We're back on Fast Money, a rough day on Wall Street. President Trump's new tariff threat taking down two key parts of the market, retail and the semiconductors. We, of course, have team coverage of both of those big movers. Courtney Reagan all over retail wreckage. But let's start with Bertha Coombs on the semis sell-off. Bertha? You know, to start with the semi sell-off, you really have to start with the Apple sell-off. Take a look at this intraday chart on Apple. It was a $12 move intraday on Apple. It had just busted out to about $219. And Apple, in fact, on its conference call, had said that they had seen sales rebound in China. They were growing again. This has been one of the issues that has dogged them for over a year. But here we are again talking about tariffs. At the close today, we closed exactly almost where we were back on May 6th at the beginning of the swoon that we saw in technology over this issue of tariffs. Take a look at the chips today. Uh, for the week, they are now down about 5%. They got hit hard yesterday on the uh, disappointment that we weren't getting a 50 uh, basis point cut. And they got hit again today with the tweets just as they were starting to recover. Some of those chip names with big exposure in China, like Maxim Integrated Products, Skyworks, some of those are Apple suppliers, got hit the hardest. Maxim, in fact, had just talked about the fact that they are starting to see some stabilization in China. Nonetheless, some of their clients, like Huawei, are starting to look elsewhere. So this is one of the issues that people are worried about, that as this rhetoric heats up again, we could get, again, this sense of let's look elsewhere compared to these normal suppliers that we have been using. You could also see a bit of patriotism in China. They might look away from Apple again as they feel that the U.S. is beating up on them. Interestingly, bucking the trend today, though, was Cirrus Logic, who did talk about stabilization in China, but also potential growth as they see more stabilization in iPhone sales, and they look forward to some of their chips being used in perhaps voice biometrics by Apple in some of its devices. That was really the only sort of uh, uh, highlight today in the chip space when all was said and done. Back over to you. Yeah, Bertha, thank you. That's Bertha Coombs for us. Uh, Timmy, well, you had what a do you case- think? I mean, first you had AMD, the blow up there, and now this. Uh, you know, look, er- earnings season appropriately gave us a fair amount of bottom-up guidance into different companies who are in different parts of the chip space. You can't paint them all in the same brush. And we actually got some relief out of a couple folks, including Intel. Um, but when you looked at memory chips, they were so oversold that there was a reason for a bounce. And in fact, the trend for Micron over the last, call it, four weeks has been very, very good. But if you look at NVIDIA uh, and some of the places that have some of the higher growth chip numbers uh, and, and the exposure to gaming and whatnot, they've been under more pressure. The, the most important thing to me about chips right now is 
is if you're trading them as a group, they rallied 26 percent in, in, in about 18 days, 18 sessions going into a pullback, which is now almost 8 percent of course, the last six sessions. This pullback started before we even were digesting Fed Powell, before we were digesting a new tweet. And when you they were way overdone. And when you had Micron, so Micron rallied 21% in the month of July. You had DRAM, which is tied to what's it's over 60% of, of the revenues based on DRAM. DRAM rallied 12%. Micron rallied 21%. What I think is the gift is I bought Microsoft on that breakthrough of 140. The market gave you something here. Granted, those are you're looking at highs that you haven't seen before. But I, I wanted to buy more on this dip. I'll see how long it lasts. But I think Microsoft, you're going to get a multiple expansion here. And I think it works its way to 150 if the market gets back to where the market is. You know, semis is the same story as I'm, it is with I'm, banks and I'm industrials. I'm guessing you're negative. Well, here, think about it. I mean, this is the same story, right? Banks and industrials as relative to the market. Semis, it's just been a bad bet the last two years. You, if you're a tech manager and you can choose between software or semis, the cyclical bet has underperformed. And remember, that's also a U.S. phenomenon. If you look at the MSCI Japanese Semiconductor Index, or you look at Kospi, which is dominated by Samsung, almost 20%, they're not working. See, so it's, it's, I, I, and I, I get I mean, that. But you get that. But I mean, if you're running money and you can choose between Microsoft or Semis or Qualcomm or Semi, Qualcomm Semi, but I mean, the point being, you've, you're not winning with this pick. This is called negative alpha. But, but couldn't you have made an argument that actually the breakout that we saw really towards uh, uh, the middle of July in semis, two fresh highs off of breaking out above the, you know, kind of the, the, the pre-May tweet, trade war tweet resistance, going all the way back to, again, we, look, we peaked in 2018 in the summer on, on semis. You could probably argue that's where I ran out of gas, except for the fact that we've made two new highs. I mean, and, right, and ultimately you've seen you, growth out of Once the, you adjust for beta, right, and you adjust for the underperforming alpha, it is a bad proposition. And you had to have been in... Uh, sort of the right ones. You've got big ones like Intel. Just That's true. Working, right? That's true. And Brennan at tech real quick. I mean, this is pre-President Trump's tweet today, pre all this Fed stuff yesterday. Facebook reported a great quarter. It's going straight down ever since they reported. Amazon reported pretty decent quarter, going straight down since it reported. And now Apple reported what everybody says a historic quarter, pretty much has gone straight down since it's reported. And then to broaden it out even further, not that we talk about this name a lot, but take a look at NTAP now in the aftermarket. Look at they just guided down in a miserable way after having a miserable couple of months. I mean, this is a data storage play that's now trading at levels we last saw this past December. So, you know, everybody, I know everybody loves technology. A lot of good reasons to love it, but there are a lot of bad things going on out there as well. All right. Retailers also getting whacked in today's session. Courtney Reagan following that side of the story for us. Court. Hi, Scott. So that dreaded four Tranche now looks like it's a reality on September 1st of 10%. So this round of tariffs is going to include many consumer products like clothing, shoes, electronics, these items that had been previously excluded. So Best Buy shares down almost 11%. I'll remind you that in May, then-CEO Hubert Jolie said, look, it's premature to speculate on the impact of further tariffs. He added it's unclear whether List 4 will actually be implemented, what products would be included, and at what rate and when. Well, Best Buy investors think they're in trouble. Shoemaker Steve Madden, those shares lost more than 9%. Nearly all of the products that it sells in the U.S. are made in China. That's a name a lot of analysts are watching closely. Gap Inc., it shed 8%. 
It actually only has about 20% sourcing, sourcing exposure to China, but since it sells all of its own goods, there aren't other vendors to split the higher costs with. But even retailers and brands with low exposure to Chinese manufacturing, like Tapestry, the owner of Coach and Kate Spade, or Capri Holdings, which owns Michael Kors and Jimmy Choo, those names sold off. Now, many of the retailers, of course, have been working on diversifying their supply chains outside of China for years, accelerating those plans when they can in recent months. But China is still the number one country where U.S. sold apparel and footwear is made. More than 40 percent of all U.S. sold apparel and 70 percent of shoes were made in China last year. Retailers, though, they're letting the lobby groups speak on their behalf on this issue as investors wait for their earnings reports. The National Retail Federation saying in part, quote, these additional tariffs will only threaten U.S. jobs and raise costs for American families on everyday goods. And the tariffs imposed over the past year haven't worked. Scott? Yep. Courtney, thank you very much uh, for that. How do you want to play this? So Courtney, Courtney just said destroyed. Courtney just said the Gap Stores has has no leverage over, but who does have leverage? Walmart. Walmart has leverage over the suppliers. And then what's going to happen if these tariffs go into play on September 1st? People are going to pre-order their stuff. They're probably going to order too much stuff. So who's going to benefit off that? Ross Stores, TJ Maxx, the same trade that we saw a couple of months ago. Yeah, if you look at Best Buy, you know, Carter will probably tell you that 80 bucks on this chart. Also, it's been wasting your time uh, on, on at least a risk-adjusted basis for a long time. Um, if, if you look at the valuation of this company, it is a company that, at least in the world, in the Amazonization of so many other retailers, these guys have gotten their game on. And actually, this kind of a pullback to me, I think, is one you should put on your watch list. What about Nike? What about a name like that? Right? You saw the initial reaction again today. So well, Nike, is one of, Nike, at least the, the last two quarters in the middle of the trade war, possibly at its peak, especially in the escalation, Nike has told you that their China business is strong um, at a time when, by the way, they've overcome their North American weakness in terms of innovation and whatnot. So uh, if anything, I think this is a pullback in Nike to buy. Walmart, you know, I don't know how you can get your arms. Now, listen, it's been extending to the upside for a while with the same valuation, but it's 22 times forward. It's been a great yeah, chart. Absolutely. So it's Procter & Gamble. But, I mean, it's the same type of thing. You look at these companies and say, how did, how did they deserve Procter at 24 times, Walmart at 22? In the environment that we find ourselves in, you can talk about lower rates, but they're too Coke, expensive. And they all the yeah, same things. They're earnings, too, but they're rich. They're, they're rich. Full. Yeah, but you could also tell the Walmart, that element has been e-commerce. So they've been battling Amazon. So there's been that argument, should they get a, be- a bigger multiple uh, ex- expansion on the multiple based on the fact that their e-commerce business has been uh, growing extremely well? I didn't hear anybody mention Target. If you like Walmart at 22, you got to love Target at 16 and a half, 17. We've said that for a while. And actually, recently, Target's had a decent move. But what defies logic to me is a continued strength until recently in WMT. There's just so much competition in this space, especially if we now have input costs that are coming higher from China. There is no margin for error in this trillion-dollar consumables business that they all use to get people into their stores. So, yes, Target over Walmart on a relative value, just on valuation, I think, is the trade. But in, in either case, and I've been wrong on Walmart, so I've missed this move, but I, I, it's not the time to chase it now. All right. Up next, casino stocks also getting slammed in today's session. So is now the time to double down, cash in your chips? Cash We're going to debate box. that. Did you do nice that? Nice job, Scott. I just read them. Plus, the sector smackdown, one options trader is ringing the alarm, and it's a call you've got to hear. There is much more Fast Money after this break. We're back with Fast Money. The casino stock's getting slammed in today's session. Contessa Brewer is back at our HQ with those details. Contessa. Hey there, Scott. Yeah, casinos already were dealing with some tough news out of Macau today. July gaming revenues were down 
3.5% compared to a year ago. Consensus expectations were growth of 0.7%. Investors really are watching the slowdown in the VIP play, and companies like Wynn and Las Vegas Sands are getting walloped by a slowdown in that particular segment. They're trying to focus more attention on mass and premium mass players, and yet MGM Resorts, which relies less on its China casinos for overall revenue than its competitors, is ramping up its high-end offerings on Kotai with new villas and junket rooms. And don't forget Hong Kong-based Melco Resorts, which beat Wall Street expectations handily, gained market share in Macau at the expense of Wynn and Sands, analysts say, in all segments. Stiefel, for one, is not looking particularly optimistic at Macau. It has lowered its forecast for gaming revenue growth for the rest of 2019 from 1% to 4% down to flat to 2%. The comps will get easier after August. So let's talk about that VIP segment, those high rollers. What do they do? Well, they own factories. They run companies. They're the titans of industry. And as China's economy slows, so does their play in Macau. A recent development is that one of the largest junkets, Sun City, has been accused of facilitating illegal betting activities. And, of course, the trade war has had an impact. For one thing, fewer Chinese gamblers are visiting casinos abroad. Las Vegas continues to see a slump in its Baccarat volumes. And there's some speculation whether U.S. casinos in Macau suffer from a cultural backlash as a result of these trade tensions or whether those casinos will suffer as retribution against the United States when they're due to have their licenses, what they call concessions, renewed in 2022. It's something to keep an eye on as you move forward with these stocks, uh, all of them down on the day between 2% and 5%. All right, Contessa, thank you. Contessa Brewer back at our headquarters. Timmy, you got first crack. Yeah, I think Contessa drew attention to the three most important issues. First of all, I do think that Melco has been eating their lunch, and I do think that there's been a little bit of a trade dynamic at work here. This is homegrown. I think the second part of this is that the the comps in in terms of the Macau gaming GGR, by the way, internationally, that would be gross gaming revenue as well. Um, You you have a case where uh, June and and May were actually quite strong. The expectations for July, at least earlier in the month, were that they were going to be flat. Coming in down three and a half is a big surprise. Very different than where we were. And then finally, this is a trade war stock. So the reaction is going to be exacerbated on a tape like today with those announcements. I don't think they're going to break out of this. What about, Hong like, Kong, what about LVS That's and, the problem. and Wynn? So, so LVS is underperformed. Wynn is up 24%. LVS is probably up about half of that. I, I do like the fact that with Las Vegas you get, I know it has its own problems, but you get Singapore, you get Macau as well, where with Wynn you only get the Macau entity and you get the Vegas entity. But I, I would be a player on the Las Vegas side. Definitely Wynn has been the outperformer in the group. Churchill Downs is the one that's up today. Big day, big earnings. Look at CBW. That's the way to just don't fool with the other ones. Run for the roses. Go with the ones that's working. What about you, High Roller? I'm not. First of all, I've never played Bach. I can't pronounce it. Baccarat. Have you ever played? I yep. walk by it and I run. I get scared. I've not. It's Why like you very smart one? people at those tables. Why don't you just go sit? They have little pads or counting. You ever pulled a slot? Pardon me? <laughs> the slots. In high school, I did. That's another story. Listen, Wynn Resorts. Is that legal? Stocks, stocks, <laughs> I love the laugh track. I love stocks the laugh from 100 track. to 150. So you're smacking the middle of the range. Given these headlines, you've got to wait. I think the entry level now in WYNN is around 110, which is where it bottomed out about a month ago. You or never so played blackjack? I played black. I like, I'm, listen, you want to play the game? When I go to the casino, which I do from time to time, I play craps. That's the game to play in the casino. If you know what you're doing, and this is a, to help the folks at home, is it you, ca- you take it, it's trade school. <laughs> yeah. You cut the odds 50.3 to 49.7 house over player if you know what you're doing. I happen to know what I'm doing. Well, clearly. 
Well, you know. I'm almost sorry that I asked. I wish you could bring that with uh, equities. Yeah, well. <laughs> or you know. <laughs> All right, up next, a giant danger zone. Options traders are betting this key part of the market could drop more than 14% in the coming months. We'll give you the details straight ahead. And you're looking at the Kramer cam. You can see it. Oh, it's a big day. Jim's getting ready to break down what happened in today's big sell-off. Be sure to catch Mad Money. That's at the top of the hour. We're less than Danger 10 zone. minutes away Awful from zone. Mr. Kramer. We're yeah. live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. There's much more fast straight ahead. We're back on Fast Money. Industrials tumbling in today's sell-off, and options traders are betting that the pain trade could be just getting started. Oh, no. Mike Coe breaks down with options action, Mikey. Yeah, so we were taking a look at XLI, the industrials ETF today, which traded more than double its average daily put volume, and it usually trades quite a lot to begin with. And the most active were the January 67 puts. We saw about 2,500 of those trading for about a dollar. Buyers of those puts are betting that it could fall below that strike by the dollar they paid. And to give some perspective, that would represent a 14% decline over the next six months in XLI. It looks like some of those traders may be betting that the lows that we saw in late 2018 could be approached in late 2019. All right, Mike, thank you. You want to trade that, guys? Well, if you think about what John Stolza said, he actually kind of likes industrials and even said that there's a, a technology component to a lot of these big multinational companies. I, I, I think the, the, the call is the right one. Uh, you're going to see transports and industrials suffer in an environment where we go through the same trend. And if you think this has been sideways like Carter does, um, these things are due to probably test flows before finding some, some balance. Again, it's, it's, a, it's about opportunity cost, it's about cyclicality, and it's about the non-alpha proposition that these stocks have offered. You're not being paid to be long this area of the market. I mean, if you were just relying on, you know, say, the fundamentals of the economy and you take the trade war or the tariffs out of it, well, looking at PMIs, wouldn't these be good stocks? Yeah, but all the data is softening. So uh, that- PMI in Germany last night was 43. Not so good. Not so good. Even with the data here at home, pretty good. I, look, I don't. Well, it's another conversation. Caterpillar is no, the king of industrial stocks, right? I mean, no, I don't think things <laughs> are all that, that great. I mean, things are slowing down. It's clear. I mean, with, globally, things he are did. slowing down. Well, we Caterpillar, like four minutes which was well, $170 stock in January of 18, has made a series of lower highs and lower lows. It's going lower, and, Scott. And XLI, where would it be? The number one holding at XLI is Boeing. Boeing has underperformed. So where would that well, be? Well, Boeing has its own issues. Right. Right. And yeah. transports, the message. I think actually I'd, I'd be a buyer Boeing here. Not for oh, You get an extra trade out. What about no. Cat? What do you do with Cat? No, no, I, I think uh, more of a dog. Between what we've seen with resources, the pressure yeah. on the dollar, the flight to quality, um, I think Caterpillar, not expensive, but I don't see, I don't see a, a fundamental basis for that. Okay. For more options action, be sure to check out the big show tomorrow, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. You know who's going to be here for that? Who? You will. CB Dubs, sizzling options. Pocket squaring options. Vital trades are up next. All right, it's time for final trades. Let's go around the horn. CB Dubs, why don't you start us off? I think silver is as good as anything here. SLV, the ETF, will work. Interesting. There was some unusual activity today, too, from uh, Pete Nigerian on that. What do you got? Yeah, look, once again, GM reported numbers that beat and reaffirmed it, it, where everybody knows this company goes more efficient than ever, paying you a big dividend at six and a half times at best. All right, Grasso. Raw stores, the uh, bright, shining moment in retail. Raw stores. You already picked you that. You don't have anything yeah, new for right. it? No, no. Thanks for being here, Scott. No. Great show tonight. McKesson coming off a monster <laughs> quarter. All right, that does it for us. Mad Money with Jim Kramer. 
begins right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.